Hey, hi, welcome to The Whole Podcast. My name is Pastor Scott, and joining me today is my friend, Pastor Becky. Hi, I'm Becky Alcantara. I am the author and co-founder of Journey to Wholeness, a program designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges. And I'm not nearly as qualified as Becky. I'm just the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. Today, we're going to talk, as always, about the things that like affect our heads and our hearts as we try to work through life and make it through life that oftentimes we don't take the time to stop and look at. Like we just keep rolling on to the next thing. Like we've talked about our coping mechanisms and we've talked about like a bunch of other stuff that I can't remember right now. But like <laughs> the things that we all like that we, that we do, how we deal with our lives, but we just keep responding, nope, reacting. Mm. To the things that come up exactly. and we don't take the time to like examine why we're acting that way or why we're reacting because reacting is just acting again right that's what a yes. reaction is mm-hmm. so it's just like reacting so we just keep going back to doing the same thing we've always done because we don't know any better or don't want to take time to <laughs> figure it out and so uh, today like i said we're going to talk about anger and so uh i love that because i um am angry i'm a recovering anger Anger? <laughs> so am I. So am I. There should be a term for that, yeah, right? Yeah. Just so we can explain it. Yeah, I absolutely. As we talked about this topic, I had an opportunity for anger to arise in me as well, right? And it's always a challenge. There, it's never easy, right? I think it erupts in us and it makes us feel uncomfortable <laughs> and it really prompts us, right? It makes us do something about it. Uh, whether we react or respond, though, that's up to us and that's up to whether or not we've slowed our brain down enough or we've slowed down our situation to determine how that's going to look. Mm. Uh, and too often, and I think this is the key with anger too often we do things that we later regret and that's not what anger is supposed to do for us Uh, it's not supposed to make us feel guilty or ashamed of the actions or the behavior or the speech that we entered into as a result of that and so i think that's what makes anger difficult and i think that's what makes anger uh hard to understand because when we experience it we're like gosh this is uncontrollable it's like a volcano erupting and so we have a lot of misconceptions about anger yeah yeah, I love that. Let's take a step back mm-hmm. first and just because lately we've been talking about anger and a, and a couple different um, interactions that I've had with you and not all anger is bad. No. Like, because we think I can't, I got to stop being angry. I can never be angry again. Right. Yeah. Or anger is not uh, very nice or Christianly. Actually, anger is loving. And I know, like, just pause, because <laughs> I know that really made you kind of stop and made a knot forming in your stomach. But anger is loving. It's supposed to lead us to loving action, thoughts, behavior. So let's start with defining it, because it always helps to define, okay, yeah. what is it then? If that if I have misconceptions, tell me what it really is. Uh, so anger is an emotion that arises when we encounter what we perceive to be wrong. Uh, there was some injustice, some injury, some frustration, a pain, a stressful situation, that sounds familiar, uh, that is prompting us to take some action. Boom, right? So, but when we put that word emotion in there, now that opens up all kinds of other doors. And so just in the definition itself, I think we can help clarify and gain more understanding. So the first part was an emotion that arises whenever we encounter what we perceive. So we're talking about perception there, right? And we can enter into a whole conversation about perception itself. But bottom line is our perception isn't always clear. Um, It is not always accurate. It is based on our 
individual experiences. And so there are times that we may get it wrong or if we don't fully get it wrong, we don't understand fully what's happening because someone else's perception, someone else's intention may be different than what we perceived. Hmm. So there you have to stop. Just in the uh, definition, as I was reading it this morning, I was like, wow, we just have to break this down a little more because the answer is right in the definition. So first of all, we have to ask, like, is my perception skewed? Is there something that is making me see what is happening right now uh, differently than what may be actually occurring? Is my perception reality right now? And that's that's hard. That's a, a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of humility that comes there, um, but there's also a lot of freedom to be able to go, okay, maybe what I think I experienced right now wasn't true. Now, I'm not talking about gaslighting because, you know, gaslighting, you know, a whole different podcast topic, yeah. but that's trying to convince you that what your experience was wasn't reality. What you experienced was real to you. How you felt and what you received and, and what that did to you, that was absolutely real. But that may not have been the intention. And so uh, gaslighting will try to tell you that the intention wasn't um, wrong as well, and that might not be true. So it can you can see already how that can be already something where, wow, I, I need to take hours or days or a long conversation to even figure out, wait, first step, anger. Was my perception clear? Yeah. So much there. Yeah, I feel like anytime, just like any one of these emotions, anytime that it involves somebody else, now, like, all the levels have doubled. Mm -hmm. Like, you, like they're like now it's twice as complex. Like, if you're just dealing with, like, you know, think about, like, literature, right? Like, literature is always, like, man versus man, man versus nature, man right. versus himself, right? And so I think those things apply in how we respond, right? Absolutely. And so, like, if it's just us being mad at our situation, like, our tire goes flat, mm -hmm. right? Because so what I'll do... I hope I'm staying on your track. Yeah, but I'm you just are. going. And so like if if my tire goes flat, so now I'm late and I've got to try to fix the tire, I'm scrambling mm -hmm. to find someone to blame for it. Because it can't just be, you know, well that just happened, yo, it's okay. That just this thing see these <laughs> right. things happen. Like I'm not that right. doesn't satisfy me. Mm -hmm. I need to be satisfied in having someone to point a finger at or someone to blame. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, I feel like that's a like that's a telltale sign of like you're not using anger for love, you're using anger for other reasons. For sure. And even against ourselves. So when you take anger and then you, you turn that and point it at yourself and you continuously do that, that is not leading you toward love. That's not helping you to be healthier or to develop any growth. So right there we know, okay, we're off track. It's funny you said that because like there's so much happening right this second for me. So like I know that this is just – I don't even know what day you're going to be listening to this. But this is just – but like today, like I've, I'm like it's a super angry day today. Yeah. So like I went uh, golfing and I'm not a golfer. Like I don't have golfing shoes. I have a golfing glove. I have hand-me-down clubs and like just whatever balls, right? Anyway, but like my friend Jim was like, let me take you golfing, Scott, because you're doing so much. You got to just get away for a second and just stop for a second. And so we went golfing. But then out there, right, it's not me versus him. No. You no, know, like we're not even competing. It's me versus me. Yes. And I'm like, why can't you just hit, keep mm. your head down? Why mm. are you such a stupid monkey? Ooh. You dumb SO, right? Yeah. I don't say the words, but I say that. <laughs> yeah. I say you dumb yeah. SO, right? Yeah. Like, I just get so mad at myself, mm -hmm. right? But I've got no one to blame for, like, picking my head up because that's the worst thing you can do when you golf. I don't know. Do you golf? I, I took lessons. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't play. No. <laughs> I like driving the little cart. Oh, and, I do too. Yeah, so yes. that's soothing. So maybe yep. you should have drove the cart after maybe. that. <laughs> 
I just, I like anger is such a thing. And so like, I just feel like I'm always, so back to the thing Yeah, is like this idea that, and it, and that is not loving, like telling yourself you're an idiot, no. telling yourself you suck, telling yourself that you're crap, you're trash, you know, there's no love there. There's no love. Yeah. So the second part of that uh, definition what, is that we perceive something to be wrong. There was some injustice, injury, frustration, pain. So it's, we have to remember that anger is a stage of grief. Right. So it's one of the things that we go through when we've uh, had some life tragedy or even a life transition that we need to uh, deal with. And the other stages of grief are, you know, depression and denial and bargaining and acceptance. And often we'll use anger uh, to motivate us out of those other stages of grief. Now, anger, when it's healthy, motivates us. It, it makes us brave enough and courageous enough now to take action. So we've experienced something awful. We've experienced some injustice. We've experienced some pain. We've experienced some grief. And we've been in the other stages of grief. And now we're strong enough and we've processed enough. We've felt sad enough about it. We've been in denial. We've bargained enough. You know, we've tried to rationalize and reason, right? Who's, who's to blame? Who's at fault? What's my responsibility in this? And then we get to the point where we're like, you know what? That's it. It's like that that line in the sand. That's it. I have to do something about this. I have to get up and move on. I have to move forward. That's a healthy anger. But when we use it artificially to motivate us out of a place that we got stuck in, now we're releasing things into our system. Um, there's a physiological effect that happens where we're like basically trying to fire off, right? We're firing off these extra body chemicals into our bloodstream and into our brain, and and it's going off and going off and going off. And what happens? Too much of anything is too much, right? Too much of uh, taking time to be sad about something, that brings us into an issue. Spending too much time trying to fuel anger can overwhelm us and flood us. And then we, uh, then we get stuck in that as well. So again, the key isn't the anger. And, and there's a phrase that says, uh, anger is a secondary emotion. There's a primary reason for the anger that we're feeling, and mm. usually that's motivated by some loss, by some pain, by some injustice. Um, you can keep going on and on with all of the synonyms there, and I'm sure you have one in your mind as you're listening to this as well. I feel like sometimes uh, I wonder if this, if a good use of anger is motivation, like like people that play angry or work out angry right. or work at work angry right? right just like i'll show them or i'm gonna yeah. or i'll show me or i'll you know what I mean like where it can be like that's a i mean that's like like rocket fuel right it is it absolutely is right it's that fire and it can work for you for a good amount of time until it doesn't right mm -hmm. until the system is overloaded all the bells are going off the machine is is blowing smoke and it just breaks down and when it breaks down, that can happen a lot of ways, right? It can happen in outbursts of anger. Um, it can happen in violence. It can happen in aggression. It can happen in all the ways that we're afraid of it happening and why we call anger bad. It's not that anger itself was bad. It's that we used it or we allowed it to continue without ever reaching some resolution. Because the point is for anger to lead us to action that brings us a resolution, right? And then a loving resolution, a healthy resolution, a positive, a life-giving resolution. It's so that we're not subject to or fall prey to things that we shouldn't. It's so that we act when we see that there's things that are unjust before us. It's so that we defend the poorer and the 
the hopeless and, and the broken. It's so that we don't remain poor and hopeless and yeah. broken. And so there's so many good things that anger provides for us when we know how it operates and how it operates in us and then how we can use it to move forward. That's just the definition of maturity, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, but too many of us haven't been taught this. We haven't sat down and said, okay, uh, anger is a good tool for us to use in life. And these are the reasons why. Instead, we get told, oh, don't be angry. That's not nice. That's not kind. That's not, right? Oh, why are you so angry? Why are you, so, like, just stop it. Just stop right now. Just like um, when we're told, oh, don't cry right now. Uh, it's because someone else wasn't comfortable with that emotion and didn't mm. know how to deal with they it. They wanted to shut it down. And they wanted to shut it down. They wanted to take away your pain. I mean, there is good intention usually. Oh, I don't want you to cry. I don't want you to be angry. Oh, so let's just stop right now. But stopping doesn't actually work it through. It just files it away for us to deal with another time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that people are listening knew that we were going to be talking about anger or soon we started talking about anger. If they have kids, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure they think of the movie Inside Out. Right, oh, from love Pixar, that movie. Everyone right? should watch it. <laughs> yes, truly. And so when I think of like the angry guy, right, that would just yes. like blow his top and he's yes. always looking for the, you know, the, he's like the devil's advocate. Yes. He's always looking for the, you know, the quick fix. Right. Because anger seems like a shortcut to fix something. Mm-hmm. It can be when we're reacting, yeah. But when we're responding, it's fruitful. It's it it accomplishes things. And um, oh gosh, I know I should have wrote it down when you said it. Um, the anger in that uh, movie. Oh, it makes us laugh, right? That it's so funny that movie. Oh, when mm. the angry guy goes off, it's, it makes us laugh. But it makes us laugh because we're uncomfortable, right? Mm. Because we know we've had moments like that. If not externally, then maybe internally, we're blowing a gasket every so often. Right. And uh, and then we go, well, we're not sure what to do with that. Which is why that movie is so brilliant and so beautiful. Uh, because it really, in a simplified manner, but in a really intelligent way, shows us how our emotions really serve us. Yeah. Uh, and when they're working in balance or in, in cohesion or together, how it really can bring us to a resolution. So, and, and that was the next part of the definition of grief. It's an emotion. So it's an event that triggers a memory, a trauma, which can be activated by our five senses. So think of, and so I love that you referenced that movie, our sight, sound, touch, smell, taste. And they have like this command center where they're getting all of the information in and then like alarms go off where they need to respond. But I think it's important to understand, and for me it was because I'm a recovering anger person uh, <laughs> where I needed to understand what was happening within me because I think there was a lot of shame about the fact that I was quick to anger. Um, and so when I understood that, oh, this is how my brain works. This is how my body works. This is why I feel this way physically in our body. Anger is very physical. So if you if you get anger, you may feel it as a tension in your chest. You may feel like you need to pace. Um, you may get flushed, right? And that embarrasses you because everyone knows when you're angry because you're all flushed. And maybe people even say it, right? They try to diffuse you by making light of it, but it just like fuels the fire. They're like, oh, you're getting all red. Are you getting angry? Are you getting angrier now? And you're just like, just shut up right now. <laughs> like You're not helping the situation. But once I understood really what was happening, 
when you understand that, you can understand the path out of that as well, right? So I understand the path there. I can understand the path out of it. So what happens is our adrenal glands release two hormones. It's adrenaline and noradrenaline. And these two chemicals give people that arousal, that tenseness, that excitement, the heat of anger, the fuel that we were talking about, and it affects your heart rate. So once your heart rate gets going, it starts pumping blood. Now you need to do something with that energy that it's generating. Um, So you have elevated blood pressure, um, your lung function, you start breathing harder, right? You're you're building up the breath, the oxygen, so that you can actually have a burst of action. Um, and then even your digestive tract takes action and it starts fueling you with calories. And it's like, here's all the energy you need to do whatever you need to do. Because it's assuming that you have a lion attacking you, right? right. <laughs> and so you need to flee the lion. But that's not necessarily it. We may have entered into anger artificially by choice even like we said to fuel the thing we want to accomplish or the thing we want to say or the way we want to be perceived Um, so when we leave that unaddressed right now we've released too much of that into our system and it and we allow it to build without any resolution it starts making actual physiological changes in us and it makes us feel like we're overwhelmed Mm -hmm. because we are being overwhelmed because we release too much of something that is not being used currently. It's just like when you eat too many calories, right? Your body has to do something with that. At some point, it has to release it so that you can continue to live because if you don't, you're going to overdo your heart. Your heart is going to explode from just being overworked. Your brain, like things are going to just start shutting down. Your body is going to try to preserve you and save you by allowing other things to happen to shut that down because it's not helpful uh, and it's not healthy for you. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, your example of like when you're around people and you start getting angry and it has you know very physical manifestations, right? Mm-hmm. And so... For a lot of people in a relationship, and typically it's like a wife with a husband, right, who has anger issues, but that's not always true. It's not a gender specific no, thing. No, it can be the wife right. and the husband. Mm-hmm. And so, but what happens with anger is that it it um, it can be destructive even in as much as it builds walls. Because mm-hmm. if you're angry with someone yes, and... They don't have the benefit of living in your head. They right. don't have the full context of your anger. No. They just feel the brunt. You know what I mean? And so they're just left to guess what it's about. And like we, I think we've said in here, when someone's responding to us or reacting to us, we just always assume it's all about us, even though 98% of the things that happen in life have nothing to do with us. Exactly. That's not a scientific number. I just made that number <laughs> up. <clears throat> but like when we're angry with the people that we're closest to, you know, they don't know what, you know, they don't know that this anger was built not just on what happened in this moment. Oh, you left the refrigerator door open? Right. Right. right? And it's got nothing to do with the refrigerator door. Correct. It's got like a bunch of stuff that happened at work or a bunch of stuff that, you know, happened, you know, wherever. When I was a kid, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's just like so many levels of that. Exactly. And that's where danger, that's where anger can be dangerous, angerous. <laughs> that's a new word. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's the trigger. Excuse me. It's this trigger that actually opens your memory to something else that may be deeper, a deeper wound that you experience that now, again, remember you said perception isn't always reality. It's real to you, but it may not be what's happening. Now your brain has entered into a memory state. It's pulling information going, hey, do you need this information? This might be happening again. And so I'm trying to help and serve you and protect you because if that's the case, let's release a bunch of these chemicals into your body so that you can protect yourself. Not always necessary, but when we have things in our past that we haven't dealt with, that we haven't worked through, when we realize that um, we are having a disproportionate reaction to something that's happening, 
we don't always realize that in the moment. Sometimes it's after the effect. Um, but even by then, we don't always acknowledge or recognize it because we felt so justified in defending ourselves because we were feeling threatened in some way that we don't even recognize that that wasn't really even the thing that we got mad about in the beginning. But now we're so mad about what ensued after because I'm sure there was some argument or some debate or some accusation or finger pointing. Um, anger isn't the problem. It's the behavior that we choose as a result of that anger that often prompts fear in other people. It prompts hesitation. It de- prompts a defensive action from someone else. Right. Resentment. Um, yep. Stan- some stands in response to what they're experiencing. And so I definitely was not the the norm or the stereotype in that I was the angry person. My husband is not an angry person. And so I definitely was creating an environment where he he wanted to defend himself because I would absolutely make accusations that weren't true. They were based on the perception or the experience I was having. And so it was a very um, intentional process to be able to slow that reaction down and a very humbling process to acknowledge that I am really angry right now and I'm not sure that that's proportionately correct to what we're discussing right now. And then to be in a relationship where um, I had, I was fortunate that I didn't have to explain that early on, but I had to at some point that, hey, I need a second here because I am having a moment and I don't want that moment to affect you. And so can I have permission to just walk away right now? I'm not walking away from you or the situation, but I need to walk away to get a better perspective. I need to gain some control. Like I need to do the work to slow that um, arousal that's happening to me down so that we can have a productive conversation and come to a resolution that is satisfactory to the both of us. Yeah, let's pause here for a life hack. So if you're around someone, right, that that acts just like that, right, like they, they you know that they're easy to anger or mm-hmm. whatever, and you see them in the middle of anger, and then they're trying to like pause and step away, even if they don't have the, because not everyone has the clarity to say, I'm going to step aside for a second. Correct. And just like, they're just like, they'll walk away. Right. But then we'll chase them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, and pursue the anger. Don't walk away from me. Don't you turn your back on me. If you walk out the door right now, rah, rah, rah. And so we escalate right. when someone maybe tries trying to de-escalate. Mm-hmm. And so the life hack is like, boy, we need to have more grace with the people that we love. We yeah. need to like assume the best and not the worst. I needed truckloads of grace in my struggle with anger in that I often did the exact same thing. I walked away. I asked, well, I didn't always just walk away. I asked the other person to walk away and not in a kind way. The way I'm describing it right now yeah. is without any emotion. Often I just asked that person to leave in whatever shape or form that I thought was necessary at the time to expedite the leaving. Let that sink in for a second. It wasn't for a while until I was able to actually verbalize or vocalize. Once I understood this, then I understood the process. Then I understood what I needed to do to deescalate the process and to give us an opportunity to start building things again. Because really, um, I was not the wise woman who was building her house. I was absolutely tearing it down, Hmm. allowing my anger to continue. Again, my anger, there wasn't anything wrong with anger itself. I needed that anger because there were things I needed to process and grieve and work through and heal from. But I had allowed it to mount and to affect us negatively because I didn't know how to express that anger. I literally did not know how to express that anger because those chemicals flood your brain. They flood your mind. They flood 
inside your body, now you are impaired. You can't be constructive, creative. Um, you can't even be coherent sometimes. So you know when you're feeling angry and you're not saying what you want to say and you're sputtering. <laughs> I mean, we use those words. You think of the books you read and he was sputtering and, yeah. and you know, he, he was red-faced. And I mean, th- that's absolutely what we experience as well. And so chasing someone... Sometimes we have to understand that that person is not running away from us or the situation. They're running away from the chaos that's happening within them. And we absolutely need to be more aware of ourselves, but sometimes that grace includes, hey, are are you okay now? Let's talk about what happened. And they might not be willing to because, again, they're not. The more we can understand this stuff for other people in our lives who are struggling with anger, the better it is for them to be in a safe place where there is grace, right? Where we're like, hey, I'm not going anywhere, but I see you're struggling with this, and I'm not helping right now because I'm doing things that are making your anger kind of arise more. So let's talk about what we can do because I really love you, and I want to help you through this process. Yeah, that's the thing. So if you determine, so then we're not just talking about couples, right? We're talking about parents and kids or Absolutely. you with your, your, your siblings. Siblings, or, right? parents. Right, workmates, neighbors, yes. whatever. Right, that this is like this, that kind of love. We're not talking about like anything beyond that. But like if you're, if you're the recipient or on the receiving end of anger, you know, like, and if you need someone to say to you like, Hey, you'd have every right to be angry back, mm-hmm. but you have to be like the bigger person, the calmer person, the mm-hmm. more attached person right. right now and not, and not take that. Cause you could do that, right? Someone's you angry could. at you. You could just like, Oh, you're angry with me. I'll be angry with you. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to throw more fuel on this fire. I'll tell you about this thing yeah, that yeah. you did. La, yeah. la, la. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to win this right, argument. Yeah. Side note. Don't hang on to that stuff. Like, no. don't just keep like a quiver of, no. you know, like stuff that you don't can bring back. Don't build up rocks to throw at people. No, gross. Anyway, uh, so, but that's important. Like, and so if you really care about someone, you have to take the first, sometimes you have to take the first step and be the person that doesn't throw back. Right. Like, if they're throwing things, sometimes literally, but I mean figuratively, Correct. like, don't, don't be the person that throws back, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, the self-realization stuff is critical. Right. And I didn't figure this out until late in life. Like yeah. I, like I'm 53, right? I, I know, and I'm not super old, but I'm old enough where I should have known better earlier. And this self realization started like when uh, it was a number of years ago, and it started with uh, my wife. And when I would hear the garage door open, if I was inside, I would like check how I felt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I knew that my first reaction, knowing that she was home. That's how I feel, right? Before my brain gets a second or my hate or anger gets yes. a second to add a bunch of story to that, if I just like, if the garage door opens, ah, Kate's home, right? Then like, that's my real feeling. Yes. Anything else that's beyond that is stuff that I've built around it. A house of cards, mm-hmm. right? That looks huge and humongous, but is like made right. of nothing but air and... You know, you nothing. think about how your brain works. So you have your right brain has the emotions. It's just pure. Just this is how I feel, whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling. Right? This is just how I feel. It's just trying to let you know what the situation is. Here's the inventory. Here it is. What your left brain immediately does is try to attach a story or narrative yes. to that, to reason through it, to catalog it for it to be useful to you. If we can slow that down a little bit and not allow this narrative to start building, then we don't agitate ourselves and increase our anger or our emotion, right? We just go, this is what it is. And often that means like verbally just saying it. So if I was angry, I would go, I need a second. Just give me a second. And I would go into the other room and I'm like, I'm angry right now. 
Yeah. I just had to say it. I just had to acknowledge it. I had to take away the shame of it. It can't sit in the dark and make me feel awful and accuse me of things that hadn't even happened yet or make a narrative that wasn't true. I just had to acknowledge it because the second thing that I knew I had learned was that I was 100% responsible for my feelings, my thoughts, speech, actions, and behavior. And that can sound like an accusation to someone right now. Oh, okay. So you're saying this is all on me. It is all on you, but it's all on you in that I am responsible. It doesn't control me. I can control it. It may be in a place where it's not balanced out right now and that I need to learn how to do that, but I am in control of myself. And honestly, that is what we're trying to achieve here. We're trying to gain some control over some situation in our life that we feel is out of control. And when we understand that we can first control ourselves, that we don't, we can't control the physiological reaction and the body chemicals and things that happen in us, but we can absolutely choose how we respond or we respond. That is always a choice. We choose our feelings. We choose our thoughts. We choose our speech. We choose our actions. We choose our behavior. We don't have to react to everything that we encounter. We can respond, but that takes a little bit of work, but it's also it was reassuring to me in that, oh, I'm not just made this way. There, I'm not broken. I'm There's nothing inherently wrong or evil about me. And that's something that I think a lot of us hear, an accusation like, oh, th- I'm just bad. I'm just wrong. Maybe someone said that to you and you just adopted it. And so all of these things that happen that are natural and normal, just reaffirm that thought that was planted in you or that you've developed or accepted as your own. And we need to break from that so that we understand that we were designed this way. The Bible says the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We find anger 444 times in the Old Testament. 375 of these refer to God's anger. Mm -hmm. Anger is evidence that we were just made in the image of God and reveals our own concern for rightness, justice, or justice and fairness. And that's good. It's leading us, prompting us to do something about those things. It urges us to take action and begin the change. What we need to gain some anger about is the fact that my anger is controlling me right now. The emotions that are rising, I'm getting to re- a reaction quickly, and I want to be able to respond and do these things because your anger may be arising because of some true injustice in the world right now. And that's good because it's something that God gave us so that we can take action and make this world better, make other people's lives better, but make our lives better, right? And so when we're motivated in that way, We can take loving, positive action toward ourselves first and then toward others. Anger prompts us to love better. That's the bottom line. I understand that then when we address anger, that it can be difficult really to sort out when you start out. But when you understand these definitions and you understand the processes, now we can start to backtrack through them so that we can actually take action and we can actually accomplish something with that anger. Yeah. I want to just sit on that idea of uh, narrative for one second because I feel like so much of how we experience life is more than just what happens it's like you said, we kind of like build a story now around that because right. it's easier for us to like pull stuff that we know, you know, or stuff that we can assume or stuff that we, you know, I don't know, that's easy at our fingertips to build a story around what just happened. Mm-hmm. So we have this narrative. It reminds me 
of this show, Mystery Science Theater 3000, which was on back in the late 80s, early 90s. And so um, it was like the show, and they would, in the show, they would like show really bad movies. Yeah. And then you'd see the silhouettes of the three characters. Yes. Um, Crow T. Robot, Tom Servo, and your host, Joel Robinson. I didn't know they had names. Yes. And so you'd see them, and they would like make these wiseacre comments throughout the whole movie, right? Mm, mm. And that's our lives. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, Tom Servo, and we're Crow T. Robot, and we're, you know, Joel Robinson, because like we, we like don't just let something happen and just we just have to create a story around it. We just do this, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I see. Well, it must be, oh, huh. You know, so back to my example of Kate, right? And so, oh, huh, doors open. I'm excited she's home, but but yet, why is she five minutes late? What was she doing for those five minutes? Why is she something? Narrative. And then I'll create this narrative, yes. right? Or just, like, uh, I told you how today is special in my anger. So um, we're recording this in a podcast studio uh, here at Life Church in Green Bay. And so... And I do a, a couple of few uh, podcasts, and <laughs> like I want there to be stuff here. Like I want to, like I'm dumb, not really dumb, but I'm kind of dumb. Where I don't know how to work a lot of things, and so like if I'm checking to see how the podcast works, I think I, I just want to press play and be able to hear the podcast. But it doesn't work that way. There's like some extra super scientific. Thing Technical to do, thing, mm-hmm. right? And then, like today, I came in to get ready for this podcast, and there was headphones. And I'm like, oh, sweet, there's headphones. Now the problem solved, right? So, before the podcast things, I asked sort of the, some of the tech people. I said, so are those headphones? Can I use that to monitor the podcast? And nope, that's not what they're there for. And so, like, so let me just share this with you. So yesterday, I was I was mad about like how the podcast studio isn't like turnkey. You have to like know stuff, and I don't have time to know stuff. And then I was talking with a friend who should know better. And like, he stokes my fire. He's like, Scott, you're more important than that. Hmm. You're more, like, don't they know who you are? Like, you should just be able to. Wow. And so I'm like, yeah, what the dickens? I'm tired of being everyone's schlub. I'm tired of everyone pushing me around. And so like, that's in the back of my head, right? So when I'm out there in the hallway asking about the headphones and the speakers, and they're like, no, that's not what that's for. I said, well, then why are the speakers and the headphones even in there? Uh Are they like paperweights? Like, that's how I left it with the tech team, Mm. you know? And, like, so then I made them mad. So, like, the first half of this podcast, I'm thinking about how I got to go upstairs and apologize and say, here's the context of my anger. Yes. You know? And so, but that's, but if I did, but for my whole life as a recovering anger, Uh you know, I wouldn't screw that guy. Right. You know what I mean? I just, you know, I'd hold on to it for next time. Not solving that problem, not realizing right. what was happening in my heart or in my mind, not being clarified, <laughs> not being clear, clear. <laughs> on what was happening, right? Or humble enough or care about that guy enough to go up and talk to him, even with the people that were closest to me. Yeah. We do this thing where we just go off the hook and then we think we don't, we, that's what that is now. I guess I did that. And, and here's a life hack number two for today. The next time that you're angry and you blow up, evaluate the why. Like, just take a second and ask yourself, maybe it's not in that moment, maybe you can't get off the hook in that moment, but start asking yourself, why are you reacting that way? Exactly. Was it the open refrigerator? Was it being five minutes late? Or is there something deeper? And it's worth evaluating, self-reflecting, so you can get to the bottom of it, because you're no good to everybody else, and you're even less good to yourself if you're operating on Mystery Science Theater, where you're just working on the narrative of the cheesy, snotty, snarky, crappy comments you're making about your life to yourself. 
Absolutely. So as you're talking, two things. Uh, one, we're not made for isolation. So why are we trying to create that narrative all on our own? Why are we relying on ourselves? When we rely on ourselves, we're limited by ourselves. We're not made to be alone. We were made for relationship. We were literally created for relationship with God, but then we're relationship for with one another. And we don't take advantage of those relationships. We don't um, receive the benefits of relationship. And the relationship is, I don't need to create a narrative. I can actually have a conversation and communicate and actually get the truth of it. But instead, for whatever reason, fear, uh, resentment, but whatever thing that's not been resolved in us, we don't enter into those. For whatever reason, um, I have my theories on how the enemy wants to isolate us, right? Because when he isolates us, he can't destroy us. We can only destroy ourselves. We can only affect ourselves. We can only negatively impact ourselves. And if he can convince us of certain things, if he can just get us isolated, so that allows us to run these narratives with seeds that he's already planted in us about how we're not good enough, how we're not loved, how people disregard us, um, how you're more important and no one values you, then he can get us to basically self-destruct, right? A wise woman builds up her house. Uh, a, a foolish one tears it down. Same for a man. But the point is, I can tear down my house, my relationships, the people who are around me, um, or or build them up. The same is true with me. My house, my heart, my mind, I can build that up or I can tear that down. And I'm doing that all in isolation, right? Because in the what minute and 30 seconds it took for her to walk from the garage to your living room, you've already developed this whole thing and your whole perspective has changed even though in that first reaction you're like so happy and now what happens where are you like instead of going hey where were you did you have a good time tell me about it it's where were you what were you doing right same questions different tone (laughs) different emotion and and then the second thing was we have to be careful for with people who are well-intentioned but uh, they use our frustrations to justify their own anger experiences, right? So here's my friend Scott who comes and he's angry about this thing. Oh, that makes me feel better because I went off the cuff the other day and I was a little embarrassed about it. But if Scott feels this way, I feel better about myself. And I'm going to tell him that was right and good because that makes me feel better about what happened and what transpired for me. So I don't feel so bad about it now because, yeah, I was right. I was justified in that. My anger anger was good. And then what are we doing? We're fueling our own anger internally as well, releasing those same things. And now, again, you've artificially released those. We artificially release them when we engage in social media. We artificially release them when we isolate ourselves. We artificially release them in so many circumstances to fuel our fire to do a good job, all kinds of things. Um, But I really want to, uh, you you said life hack, and I really want to provide that slowing down. Like, okay, you talk about slowing it down. What, like, what literally did you do, Becky, to slow that down? And I want to share that because that was key for me. I literally, (laughs) I'm going to overuse the word literally right now, but I, I put it on a note card and People put it on their phones now, but I put it on a note card so I could have it with me everywhere I went. It was in my pocket. It was on my mirror to help remind me until I had it memorized of this is these are the five steps that I'm going to take right now or anytime I feel anger arising because it, it would arise in me every day, if not multiple times a day. And if you're feeling that way, like anger runs my life right now, I don't know what to do without anger. And that can be a fear as well. If I'm not angry, what am I? Am I depressed? Because maybe I have been depressed and I use anger to get out of that depression. And I don't want to be there. At least with anger, I feel like I have some control. At least I feel braver or stronger and I don't feel weak or like a victim or like I have no outlet, right? Mm -hmm. And so I really needed those 
those steps. And again, remember, if you've been releasing anger into your system so long, you're impairing your ability to make connections and, and reason and logic and be creative about things. So I and and I, I'm saying this so that you're not afraid of it and you're not ashamed of it. Um, that I I am an intelligent person, did very well in school, went to college, and yet I couldn't connect. Okay, when I'm angry, do A, B, C, and D. I needed that help. I needed someone to just lay it out for me. And once they did, I had a path. I knew where to go and what to do, and then I could work on it, right? Because I'm determined. Um, I'm also an Enneagram 3, and I want to win, right? So once I knew there was something I could win at, and there was a reason to win at it, that it was going to be, it was going to benefit me, first of all, but also benefit my family, my husband, and then my children. And quite honestly, I thought, you know, my husband can handle himself. He's an adult. But when it came to my kids, then I saw that I had anger, and it was going to affect them. And they were very little at the time. That that was the point that I actually took action and said, ah, no, I'm angry enough with myself now that this can't go on any further. I have to get better for my children first, if not for myself. And that was a process because obviously I wasn't taking action because I – I didn't regard myself important enough yet. I certainly wasn't regarding my husband as important enough to do it yet. But when I saw those little innocent kids who love like Jesus and forgive you and their love is unconditional and and you could yell at them and shake the windows when you were yelling at them and two seconds later they were in your lap saying, I love you, mommy. And you knew you didn't deserve that love in that moment, right? But we do deserve that love. And we need to stop telling ourselves that. We absolutely deserve the love that our anger is trying to arise in us to let us know that we need to make some improvement. We need to make some change. We need to allow other people to love us and to help us walk through this. So, Sorry. We're still waiting to get we're to the five get to steps. That. Yeah. I just wanted to just pause you right there because I, I love that thought because just about every to my mind, just about every place where we're weak or where we fail, I feel like we could trace back to a generational cycle. Mm-hmm. Like it's stuff that we saw our parents do For and sure. that they saw their parents do. Yes. And so this is like, this is like uh, addictions. This is like uh, abuse. Right. This is like anger. Right. You know, where our, our, our parents were angry and that's how they dealt with it. So that's just, that's what was normal. That's how we survived and coped, right? right? So depending on what your background is, and I won't get too much into mine, but we, we had to survive. We had to fight to make it in a lot of different ways. And so I absolutely can trace that to my father being a fighter. Like we, we fight. We don't give up. In fact, you might have family members to tell you that. We don't give up. We're fighters, right? And so you take that on as a badge of honor and yeah. pride. And it's great. Um, but sometimes those those badges that we wear don't benefit us, right? And so they might help protect us and help us survive and get through. But if we want to get to a point where we're growing and we're improving and we're breaking those patterns in our generations that no longer apply or are necessary or there's a better way that we just didn't know about, we need to take advantage of those. We need to be brave enough and to enter into love enough to start walking in those steps to find that healing and freedom and love our kids enough to make it. So it's not a thing for them. Correct. To un- unnormalize it. Denormalize. Absolutely. It for them. 
Yes. Because I mean, like if you, if you're an angry person and you know the weight of how being angry is, why would you ever just want to pass that down to your kid? Right. And it's not something like they're picking up in their DNA or this part of their something, something, but it's definitely how they watch you. Right. And so not that you can't ever be angry, but like, you know, how do I deal with that anger positively? Right. And so one thing we tell our kids is, uh, I understand you're angry and I, uh, but even when you're angry, you still need to be kind. Right. You still need to uh, communicate. You still need to. And so we tell them all these things. We don't ever shame them about their anger. Anger is going to take them into places and help them do things that are important. But we need to express to them. But your behavior, your thoughts, your actions, that's what we need to address right now. And just like, sorry, I want to sit on this for a second because I feel like it's so important because I think of that. um, I'm a marketing and advertising person. So like I'm really prone to that sort of thing. And there was this. uh, public service announcement, it was this picture of this little boy crying and there was this hand around his throat, but the hand was just made up of words, you know, about like what an idiot you are and how you're no good, good for nothing. Right. And I think just like, you know, in, in, in the business world, they say that, you know, for every one negative thing that you hear, Mm-hmm. You know, there's 50 people that feel good about you. Right. And I feel like that same sort of ratio applies to how we talk to our kids. Mm-hmm. And so even though we might say 50 wonderful things to our kids, right. anything we say to them in anger or disappointment, that's what they're going to remember. Right. That's what bears weight. You know right. what I mean? Well, and it creates a memory marker, right? right? So the rise of emotion creates a rise in body chemicals that creates that memory. That's why those memories stick out. If it's something that was traumatic or something that was intense or very emotional, our brain catalogs those higher than other memories. Not that those memories aren't there, but the other ones that created a memory marker because of the emotion or rise in chemicals in our body is what sticks out. And that's, for me, what made me go, no. I didn't understand that's what was happening at the time, but I knew that I was going to impact them in a way. I don't want them want to experience it, but you're absolutely right. I didn't want them to carry that. I didn't want that to be their normal and for them to struggle with the same things that yeah. I was struggling with. I wanted to change that narrative for our family. Because I'm sure like our parents would have said, well, that's how my dad was with it, and I turned out just fine, yes. so deal with it. Like, yep. like those words, like, oh my gosh, those words. Yeah. Or even being told, like, you're fine. Oh, like... I know you're angry and you get, you know, hot headed, but you're fine. You're successful. You're good. You're productive in life. You have a, you know, all these things. All right. So let's get to the five steps. When you find yourself in a place of angerness. Yes. So you need to consciously acknowledge to yourself that you're angry. So what I would do is actually acknowledge what was happening in my body. Okay. My chest is tight. My heart is racing. Um, And then you need to restrain your immediate response. That's step number two. You need to restrain that. So what does that mean for you? How do you feel anger? Okay, if my chest is tight and my heart is racing, I need to take a breath, right? My heart is racing. I need to walk away. I need to take a walk. Let me take a five-minute walk because I need to expel some of this uh, energy that has risen up. The third thing is you need to locate the focus of your anger. That's that question. Why am I really angry right now? Am I angry because he left the refrigerator door open? Am I angry because he's late right now? What am I actually angry about? What need do I have right now that I feel is not being met? And then the fourth one is analyze your options. What is it that I actually want right now? Like, have we ever thought about that? Okay, I'm angry at you because you did this. No, stop. Why am I angry? What do I actually need or want right now? And then the fifth part is take um, constructive action. So uh, what are my options, right? So 
I had to know that I had options whenever I felt angry and I could let it go. I could bargain and have a conversation like, okay, if if you can do this for me, then I can do this for you. I can negotiate. Look, this isn't okay with me. And uh, that really bothers me when you do that. Can we come to some resolution that is not overbearing for you, but also doesn't trigger me? And I acknowledge I have a trigger. I'm going to work on that. But can you help me in that process? Um, And then maybe we need to see counsel. Maybe it's like, I we can't come to like an agreement or understanding here. There's something deeper. And I acknowledge that, that there's something I'm being triggered by, but that I can't identify right now. So I need to, let's talk to somebody else. Let's bring someone else in a situation who doesn't have any emotions, who is loving and trustworthy and can go, oh, here's what's going on right here. So you need to think about this a little more. You need to ask yourself this a little more so that we can come to the point where when we have that feeling, we can get into that. So consciously acknowledge it. Say it out loud if you need to. Restrain your immediate response. So what is it that's happening physiologically in your body that you can calm down? Locate the focus of your anger, the why, and then what your options are, what need or want do you have, and then take construction action. Construction, constructive, not construction, constructive action. And the same is true when you're you're working with an angry person, right? And the best way to diffuse a ticking time bomb of a person is to listen, listen, listen right there's something they're trying to communicate with you and they're feeling like they're not being heard and so listening means um asking that person to repeat themselves okay can you say that again for me i want to understand why you're upset use different words to help them clarify or help them to um define what's actually happening Um, but then you want to clarify okay i just want to get this straight i want i want to make sure i'm understanding you right now so is this what you're saying And in that process, you can already hear if you're having a conversation, that person go, oh, well, no, this is what I meant to say to you. And this is why I'm responding that way. And I've seen it time and time again. There's some people who are just masters at it. When you have somebody who's irate, think about it in a restaurant when someone's kind of just going off and you see someone come and really calm down the situation and you're like, wow, they're like masters at that. Really, we all have the ability to do that. It's a simple formula. Listen, listen, listen. And then we have to try to understand. We have to go, okay. My intention there wasn't to do or make you feel this way, or maybe it was, but can I put myself in your shoes right now? Even though I feel justified in what I said and did and what I expressed to you, let me turn it around a second and think about where you're standing and how you would have received it and maybe what your perspective was, right? The whole process takes a lot of love, a lot of grace, and a lot of mercy mercy for another person um, and then share information right we need to understand each other better we need to understand where we come from and our experiences and why that might be offensive or hurtful or or painful for me when for you it's not i want to understand your journey your background how often do we take time at a table and just understand someone's story when we do that the opportunity for anger is a lot less now again someone on the road you're not going to have the opportunity when you know they cut you off and and they do something wrong but at that point you also have the opportunity to go through those steps okay i'm angry right now my chest is tight let me address this let me deal with this what are my options this is a stranger he probably is having a bad day i'm putting myself in his shoes he may i don't know if someone's dying he's trying to get up to the hospital right now so i'm gonna let it go Right. So there's degrees and things that we can process for ourselves. We don't need to let our drive to work make our whole day bad and then everyone uh, receive and experience the anger that we were feeling. Crap. Two things. Um, One, if you're in a relationship that matters to you, 
you're responsible to take these actions. Yes. To not do so is to be irresponsible. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going to take the time, like if they say something and you're just going to take that at face value and not dig deeper into what they said or how they said it or what you think they meant, if you're just going to listen to your own narrative, right, what we just talked about, you can't sit in there by yourself. Right. If you're just going to use your own narrative, that's irresponsible in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Because now you're just building your own narrative and you're just making assumptions about them that may or may not be true and you're not benefiting either person. Right. So I just wanted to say that. Secondly, triggers. Like I mentioned that this being self-realizing started for me a few years ago. And so I have to start acknowledging where my triggers are. Yes. And so where my triggers are at home, where my triggers are with my kids, where my triggers are on the road, where my triggers are on social media. Mm-hmm. If, if you're thumbing through social media and finding that your chest is getting constricted and you just you can't even believe it and you're scoffing, you want to throw up your hands. Yeah. Hey, log off of social media. Mm-hmm. Like you're triggering yourself. It's not their fault. You're looking for ways to make yourself I feel like that's our hobby right now mm-hmm. is we want to be uh incensed. Mm-hmm. We want to be incited. Like we want to be something that would I don't know, maybe we feel like we're not in control of enough. When right you now. feel you're out of control, you want some control. So you look for something to get your courage and your energy up against, right? Otherwise, you might feel helpless and hopeless. And that's a whole different conversation that maybe we'll have in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, but that isn't reason enough to keep putting yourself into unhealthy anger. And unhealthy anger is unending because there's resolution in healthy, godly anger, right? It's going to lead us to action. There's a resolution. Yeah, I love that. If we're not getting to resolution we are in unhealthy anger and we might be stuck there we have lost our way we've been there for so long that it feels more comfortable at this point it feels necessary even for us to operate in life um and i'm afraid of what happens now again you're not having these thoughts consciously but your subconscious is like we we don't know anymore. Like th- that stuff is really in the archives of what to do when you're not angry. Cause we've been just using these seven texts of, of information in your life to operate. And so it's going to take a, a moment, right? We're going to have to let our brain process. And that's best done with somebody to hold us accountable, but also to help us to feel um, safe as we take that journey. That's what journey to wholeness is. Yeah. Creating yeah. a space where you can get the tools to create the path to wholeness and, and healthiness. And if you're feeling like you're, you've lost your direction in the sea of anger in your life, uh, then it's time to reach out and ask someone to help you through that process. Because, again, anger should lead you to love. And love starts with love for yourself and then for God and other people, right? Until we can understand ourselves. And understanding ourselves through the light of God's eyes right. is the best way to do that. We also need to understand that um, we're not going to get to those things until we can deal with exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we don't need to be triggered into anger for us to have a constructive, productive life. Um, but anger can help us to get to a more loving, healthy life when we understand it and when we know how we can use it as a tool for better. Yeah, and that's and that's and you need to be responsible to check your responses. Right and yeah. stop reacting. That's the first thing that you've got to do is just stop reacting because yep. that's just building more anger. There's like uh, 1,600 other things that I want to say right now, but we're at the end of our time. Yes. So the five steps of an angry person. Hey, can they find those on the Journey to Wholeness Facebook page maybe For later sure. today? Yes, they can. That'd be awesome. And so if you want to know more about Journey to Wholeness, you can visit uh, the Journey to Wholeness Facebook page or you can visit a website that's 
j2wholeness.org. The letter J, the number two, wholeness.org for more resources. Yeah, we'd love to be part of the journey with you. And so as a person that's currently going through Journey to Wholeness, I can tell you that, boy, I'm already knee-deep in trying to figure out more of who I am and how I can be so amen thank you thanks for being here today thank you i really enjoyed it uh if you enjoyed this podcast please uh share it with someone you feel like might need to hear these words that we've discussed it you're welcome to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms otherwise we'll see you again next time bye